When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on WMR.FM, episode number 424. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Step Forth Web Marketing, and my co-host is my company senior SEO, Scott Vanak. How's it going today, bud? It's going fantastic. Excellent. Well, we have a lot to talk about today, so let's just jump right into it. And oh, I actually I first wanted to say uh, thanks for everyone for your patience. I know uh, we've been a little intermittent lately uh, from the break holiday break, which we do always take off. Plus, we tend to take off the first couple weeks of January simply because we're doing catch up and we're a little overwhelmed. So uh, just a apology, we're late. Someone very kindly said, where are you guys? And then in an email to me, which was really sweet. And thank you. I appreciated that. It was nice to know that people notice. Um, we never know, right? We, we uh, don't see a lot. We just occasionally get the odd uh, inquiry or kind words. So thank you. Um, and actually, I, I should note our Facebook page has been a little quiet lately. So our, our group, I should say, so please join, ask your questions. Um, not only do we answer it on the air um, many times, it, but there's also a very helpful community there. And they're more than happy to answer questions and, and help out. There's lots of great stuff. All right. So jumping into the news. Uh, uh, some great news. Personally, I think this is fantastic. I'm going to turn off the uh, my Google Home thing here first. The mic's off. <laughs> there, it's muted. Because it used to, whenever I'd say something about Google, sometimes it would kick in and it would ask me, "What are you? What would, what's your question?" And I'm like, "What the?" Oh. Or it would start playing something. And this happens in meetings all the time. And then I'd have to say the command phrase to get it to wake up, and then I'd say, "Stop." Well, thankfully, according to Search Engine Roundtable, Google Assistant will now stop without you having to say the command phrase. So while it's playing something to say, stop. <laughs> I wonder if it has to be like some power behind it. I don't know. I haven't tested it. I, I kind of worry, you know, you're doing something important or maybe you've got dinner in the oven. Your kids come in and do something stupid. You're like, stop. Then there goes your dinner timer. Now you're going to burn the chicken and your, your music's going to stop playing. Your Zoom presentation with your important meeting is going to cut off. Like, I don't yeah. know. I'm going to have to test it. It seems a little different, but I also appreciate it in some regards. I, I hate seeing the command phrase all the time. You're driving yeah. along the highway in your Tesla and you, someone screams stop and you stop in the middle of the freeway. I don't know. Oh, dear. Yeah. Once Google starts running our Tesla, we're in real trouble. That's true. Yeah. Your Google car, your Google car. Yeah. yeah. Give it some time. 
All right, so that's a little non-SEO news, but it was a good good one. And if you use uh, a Google Home, you'll, I'm sure, appreciate that. So uh, in SEO news, Google has added a new robots tag called index if embedded. Now, this is really obscure. Almost, I would expect no one on the listening was going to use it, but um, it is newsworthy simply because they don't add tags very often. I mean, this is the first robots tag they've added, as far as I can remember. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, early 2000s, mid 2000s, maybe they added some. But anyway, um, so what this is, a, is a tag you can add to your page. So there's robots, no index. If you're listening to the show, you're familiar with that. Um, and that tells Google that this is not some, a page that they you want to have in their index. Um, if you have that plus index, if embedded, this is really unique. Um, it's a very u- unique use case. Um, what will happen is if, let's say, uh, a, another website has embedded your content from a page in their site using a, a frame, let's call it, uh, more, more technically, it's an iframe or object code. I know, a little geeky here. I'm starting to feel silly talking about this for our 101 listeners, but um, if that's there, Google will index it. It will add it to its its system because it will see on the originating page where that's that content is from that although it says no index it does say index if embedded uh the use case here is for video embeds and things like that so john Mueller commented on commented on this when uh barry schwartz asked why this would be useful and uh, i'll read it off here it says a common it's new so there's nothing common yet Use case would be widgets or embedded content where you have a special URL for the embed that you don't want indexed, but you still want to allow the embedding page to use it for indexing. Anyway, uh, so unquote there, that's, uh, that's kind of interesting. I was shocked. I love seeing new things happen. It's, it's so rare in our industry. It's mostly just algorithmic changes and um, business or name changes like Google my business to Google business profile. There's not much more else to it. Anywho. You know, I What's can next think of, oh, well, I was going to say, I can think of some uh, clients back in 2004 where that would have been really, really helpful um, when yeah. they had all iframes being used back in that day, you know, when that was popular, that would have been or good back then. Even worse frames. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Can't oh yeah. It. Frame websites. That would have been awesome for that. Cause you'd end up two <laughs> versions of every page into, oh, it was a nightmare. Yeah. Don't miss those days. Yeah, what do so we have next? Google recipe markup. Yeah, so What's if you have recipes, yeah, if you have recipes on your website, uh, there's a bit of a change here potentially for the way you've got your uh, JSON LD or your other structured markup set up. Uh, previously, you could set a time range for things like prep time, five to ten minutes, ten to fifteen minutes, whatever. Well, that is no longer permitted, and you now need a singular, precise, exact time in your markup. So. If you've got a range in there, you might want to change that. Uh, otherwise, uh, you might have some problems with your indexing. It, for the most part, it shouldn't be a really hard change. Although if you've got a recipe site, and I've just thought of a, a client of ours who this may definitely apply to, so I'll have to contact him if it matters. But uh, if you've got recipes on your site, you want to make sure your times are set to exact times, which I'm guessing most probably are. I, I haven't really thought about this before today, but uh, hmm. if you've got a range, that's not good. No. No doubt. Okay, next uh, comes a really important uh, 
notation. And this is uh, back, I think it was January 17th. This was noted by um, John Mueller. Anyway, it says, uh, making URL changes to your site can take several months for Google to process. Now we've got a few anecdotes to add to this in a second here, but uh, what the key here is that it's, it's not necessarily simple when you change the URL. So in other words, the address of your page to something else, it takes a while for Google to note that. Now, if they, even if they note it, all the signals, all the links, all that information they have about the URL needs to be forwarded to the new URL. So that new location. Um, so what uh, John recommends is make sure that you always do the research before doing a migration. So any kind of movement like this, a URL change, time it. So when it's, it, it, that you do this during a good time to have a dip in traffic. That, that's a very important note there dip in traffic. Again, Google's trying to figure out what's happening. This is what happens whenever you move a website, whenever you're changing a new, you're updating to a new website, et cetera, et cetera. Just think about it. Google's trying to adapt to this new change. Also trying to determine whether or not you're the same website, whether or not they're being tricked, all these different things. And they need to be careful. They can't just consistently give the same amount of traffic. They're going to test it a bit and they're going to drop things a bit. So if this is at high time, don't make those changes. He also suggests creating a list of the old and new URLs for mapping purposes. So before you switch it, create a list of all the URLs that you have for the, the, the original website. And then you'll have the new website up. You can make sure that everything's mapped to the right pages and redirected. Um, I'll, I'll uh, mention that I'll... Screaming Frog is awesome for that if you don't use oh, good. it already. Good, yeah. yeah. Um, monitor the migration with analytics and Search Console. Search Console in particular, because it's going to give you notations on any issues they do that uh, Google uncovers. Um, but in all in all, he says, the time can take several months to fully process all the URL changes. Uh, now, the more important URLs will be reprocessed faster. So if you have a website that, let's say, well, let's take step forth example. For example, we have a page on our site that I've mentioned before is about something that does not lead to business, but it's about uh, 301 redirects. Well, that page gets a ton of traffic. It's probably more than 50% of our traffic. Well, that page will be updated quickly if we make a switch, way quicker than the other pages anyway, uh, simply because Google knows it has value and it's worth making that update. Uh, now, what kind of anecdotes can we add here? So I'm currently, this is actually funny, I, I'm, I was about to lease a computer the other day and I went to this website and I was shocked because the local company, their website went to just a form and it was a redirect from Google. And then I went and tried to type in their homepage and I got a 403 forbidden. But oh dear, what's going on here? So I ended up contacting them about the lease, asked questions. When I also mentioned, you realize this is broken? Just, oh, we're going through hell right now. We just launched this new website and it's breaking. And um, the lady who did it also had a problem with the transition. So she accidentally deleted the one they just built. <laughs> it was just oh, a no. mess. Um, and they just rebuilt it quickly so they could put it up. And oh man, I said, well, you need some help, obviously. And we're here to help. So we did, we jumped in and helped them. But um, that is, happens more often than I'd like to admit. Like, I would hope that people know by now that this is not something you just do without forethought, uh, but it happens all the time. So 
before you make any switches, you're switching to a new website, making substantial changes to the URLs on your site by moving a section or whatever, consult an SEO. Uh, it's going to be well worth your time. Sure, it might cost you 150 bucks, whatever, for their time, but it is key and it's going to save you a lot more in terms of headache and time fixing things. Uh, we could have had this entire thing switched over within a couple hours, but now we went in and fixed it and we're still working on a few things to fix for them, trying to recover the old site, trying to get content out of the old site for them. Uh, it's a pain. Now, Scott, you had one as well. Well, we've had one, but you were dealt yeah. dealing with it recently. Yeah. So we did a, a website redesign for a pretty big client of ours a couple of years ago. And his rankings have been phenomenal for years, for years. They've just been doing really, really well. So he didn't want to pull the plug on this new launch. He's just been terrified, you know, the huge risk. And it's completely, he's going from an old hand-coded HTML website to uh, WordPress. And then his blog on the old site was... I don't think it was WordPress. I can't remember how his blog was, but it again was something different. And so his URLs were a mess. And of course the new site cleaned most of that up and, and there was a lot of paranoia there. And finally we decided to, uh, he decided to flip the switch and launch the site. I don't know when we were back in November, October, November, which is his quiet time. Again, like John Mueller says, do it when you're quiet and summer's big for them. So that was a good, but we took some extra steps that we wouldn't normally do um, because the client was so worried. And in um, uh, WordPress, we installed plugins to add .html to the extension so that his URLs would not change no matter what, which was a bit extreme, not something we normally do, but it worked. And so it's, it's a WordPress site with .html extensions, but the ranking stuck around and uh, he couldn't have been happier. But again, sometimes you have to look at those extra little things and take extra precautions that you might not want to do. Uh, and his plan is ultimately to pull those HTML extensions off but, you know, everyone's a little bit nervous about that. It should be fine, should be fine. But, you know, why bother if you really don't have to and if things are going well? He's got his new website. So I think everybody's happy. We'll see what happens. But uh, it's been a few months and all is good. Yeah, it is. Now, dog might be sniffing the microphone here. <laughs> <laughs> got a dog in front of me. And, and this is one of our first um, shows we're going to post a video of. So you'll see my, my little beagle, Holly. Anyway, uh, she came to visit and was pawing me while I was trying to talk. So I had to uh, pick her up. Ah, she's going to come and paw me again. She wants to sit on me. Anyway, dogs. Yep. <laughs> on that note, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we got some Mueller files, more Mueller files. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WMR.FM, hosted by myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Step Forth Web Marketing, and my company senior SEO, Scott Vanak. All right, country-specific domain or single site? So this is a common question for those who are dealing with uh, multi, well, international websites. They want to expand into a, an international sector. Let's say they have a fully entrenched U.S. website. Well, what's what do they do? Do they add sub sub or sub folders to their site? Let's say Germany, uh, Belgium, or whatever. Let's see, Belgium, uh, France, all the different ones, and, and use those as subfolders. Or do they get the um, top level domain for that country, the CCTLD? They're called country code top level domain. Um, one example would be ours. Uh, .ca. So it would be uh, uh, whatever the site's name. .ca, and then their content. Of course, when you do that, that means you have to have separate websites for each country. Well, what are the pros and cons of this? Uh, I enjoyed this read. I just read it the other day, actually, out of chance. Um, it was an interesting discussion because it is sensible to try to build those additional international locations within the, your existing website it, when it's really entrenched, it's doing very well. In other words, it's got lots of authority, it's ranking really well. A, a site with authority is tends to pass that along to new pages. And if you have those new country areas, they're gonna do a little better right out of the gate than they would have otherwise. Um, and Google does fully recognize it. You use proper href lang tags, this is technical, but if you add the proper tagging, Google knows that this is a different, meant to target a different country, you're all good. But if you were to go with the top level domains, there are some, there are some serious benefits to that in that one thing, it's easier to get links to them. So if you ask for links, people are more likely to do it to a top level domain, a CCTLD um, that's from that country, simply because it looks more authentic. Uh, in addition, uh, Google definitely understands already that it's a separate website. You're also more likely to be accepted in those countries by users because they see the top level domain is from their country. So with that, um, there were some really interesting discussions about it and they weren't sure what, um, or Michael Bonfil, I think that's how you say his last name. Sorry, Michael, if I got that wrong, was discussing it and saying that, um, there are use cases or good arguments for both. Typically, he recommends going, I believe he said he typically recommends going with the, the CCTLDs um, simply because of that link building potential and the overall buy-in by the country's users. Did I miss anything there, Scott? What do you think? No, I think that sounds about right to me. Yeah, and we've got an example of the hreflang code, uh, which hopefully won't be posted as text in our page. <laughs> 
<laughs> in our show notes. That could cause problems, but um, maybe you should put ENCA there. Nice guy. Anyway, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very beneficial uh, piece of code if you've got any kind of cross or cross country uh, information. Deep looking subfolders. What's all this about? Yeah, so, and I'm going to say her last name wrong because I've, I don't think I've ever heard it said out Shashinger, loud. I think it is. Shashinger? Yeah. I probably wouldn't have guessed that. So Christine um, sent a, a message to John via Twitter and said, uh, if a site has 70% of its content under slash blog, what are your feelings on having none of that content categorized? So instead of just slash blog slash, um, you know, the, the permalink for the page, what about if you have the category name in there or the, the month or the day, all that kind of stuff, does it matter? And the short answer is John says, I don't think any search engine would care either way. And which I largely agree with, especially if you're considering it from a blog perspective, um, you know, having the dates and that sort of thing in the, the hierarchy of the URL, nobody really cares. Um, but John does go on to say that uh, I can see edge cases where it makes sense to split things off, say adult content. And I'm not sure why adult content specifically, but that's what he said. Uh, or it's, country. I think just because you'd want it in a separate category somewhere hidden. Yeah. <laughs> or somewhere yeah. completely broken off. Perhaps, yeah. Uh, or country specific content, for instance. Uh, but for the most part, URLs are identifiers and it would be rare that a search engine would try to map entities to URL fragments. Uh, the exception to that, I think at least, would be things like e-commerce websites or, or uh, when you have the structure of a website where having something in a subfolder makes perfectly natural sense. Uh, uh, we have a meat client, for example, they sell meat. So if you've got all your bacon products under a slash bacon subfolder and your turkey products under a slash turkey subfolder, and, or if you're a car company, you know, you've got a Ford and a BMW and a Toyota and a, a, a whatever. Um, I feel like that's largely a usability thing, but I feel like there is still just like the slightest bit of SEO help there. And depending who you ask, some people are going to agree with me and some won't, but uh, I think if it makes sense, go for it. If you're a blog, I, I don't think you really need the date structure in your URL path. I, I don't see any value to that. And I wouldn't change it like we were talking about before with uh, URL changes. If, if it's working, don't change it. But if you're setting up something new from scratch, I, I'd keep it as is. Mm -hmm. Cool. But. Awesome. Um, now, one thing I wanted to note uh, on a completely different uh, topic is that uh, our podcast is is actually sponsored generally uh, by ads, as you are all aware. Um, we are looking for new advertisers. So if you're interested in getting a little bit of exposure on our very popular show, it's apparently got lots of great listeners. We certainly know the ones that we've connected with are amazing. Um, and they're an ex extremely exclusive group, uh, please let, let me know. Uh, Ross at stepforth.com. That's S-T-E-P-F-O-R-T-H.com. Um, if uh, I don't get back to you, it's possibly because it got filtered wrong, but I'll do my best to catch everything. I have a, an assistant helping me with that now because I get so much email, but um, I would love to talk with you and see if we can work something out and get you some exposure. With a new system we have now, we can actually uh, pre-roll you into some of our older shows so you get exposure across all of them and there are a lot of listeners um people who are starting out sometimes from our earliest show and working their way up which is wild to me but hey thank you it's it's amazing that you guys listen so much anyway if you want to let us know that would be great uh, i think it's an amazing opportunity and uh it's going to be very cost effective too i bet 
uh, depends on your perspective, I suppose, but I'd look forward to speaking with you about it. With that said, let's jump into some questions. Uh, Leanne Eklund has a question about uh, Roblox experiences. This is a good, unique one. So I have a question about SEO marketing as it relates to Roblox experiences. I've got a lead on a big brand client who, like Nike, has created an experience, in our quotes, uh, in Roblox. Now, I assume that means that there's a place within Roblox that's branded Nike where you can go there and experience Nike or something something. It's just a, a brand thing. Now, Roblox is a closed environment, so marketing from within isn't possible, but there must be a way to optimize search for a particular game in Roblox. I know that to play the game, you need to download the app, so it's not in the browser. Is the only answer to get people talking about it on a social, guest posting, articles written, pages dedicated to the game from the brand itself, and backlinks? Any help would be so appreciated. Well, thanks, Leanne. I would start, it's a very good question, and I don't have an immediate answer from experience, neither does Scott. I would say that um, I would look at how Nike did it. No, Nike's a pretty big brand. That this other one's a pretty big brand, that's a, a good indicator. And, and just, I'm, I've said this a million times in the show, don't reinvent the wheel, find out what they did right, how they did it. Typically, that's possible with a little creative searching. Uh, and ask Roblox too. I mean, these guys want you to market it. They want it to be something worthwhile so people will pay to do this. Uh, I bet you they have some great tips. Uh, otherwise, you know, because the games for such young kids, they often don't have all of the capabilities to search Google. I don't know how you would get in front of them off the top of my head. It's just not our market. Uh, anything you want to add there, Scott? Yeah, so... I don't know a lot about Roblox and unfortunately my 10 year old son is in school right now or I'd bring him in on the conversation. I'm sure he can <laughs> uh, school Ross and I a little bit. Um, but my understanding with how Roblox works is, you know, you go to open the app, but it actually opens a web browser. You can find the game you want to play, whatever. You click on the game and then it opens the app back up and loads the game. So there is an HTML website page for each of these games. So my thoughts are you could promote that with offsite SEO, you could, I mean, this is a bit extreme maybe, but you could work on building links, social media presence of your own and link into the page to try to boost its individual rankings within the Roblox website. Um, but on the flip side, is there anything stopping you from creating your own web presence around that Roblox game that then links into Roblox itself? Like create your own website to promote that game and then you own it. You can do whatever you want with it unless it's against Roblox terms or something that I don't know about there uh, and work on that socially. Uh, uh, my son's always trying to look up videos on YouTube about how to play certain games on Roblox, that sort of thing. Uh, you, I'm sure you could build a big YouTube following ultimately for the game you're trying to promote and, and work on it that way. Maybe, I don't know, interact with the, all the gamer YouTube gamer channels and try to get them to play your game. Uh, maybe you have to pay them. You probably do. Uh, I'm kind of speaking <laughs> off the cuff here because I, I don't know a lot about Roblox, so it's a bit Good tough. Ideas, but, yeah. You know, just Twitch, off the top of my maybe head. Maybe Twitch is a place to get uh, some advertising in there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there's got to be people on Twitch that are doing Roblox games, I would assume. I'd be surprised. I'm share my wasn't. screen for a sec here because I sound something funny. Uh -oh. um, 
I, uh, I, I wanted to, is Roblox viewable by Google? I was trying different phrases to see if there's anything on that. I didn't think it would be, but I was curious to see if anything was on the, in the books or on the way. And uh, this, I'm using my dark screen. That's why Google is black here. But anyway. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. One of the people also asks, says, is Roblox connected to Google? I thought, what the heck? Look at this. Internet search giant Google announces acquisition of startup game studio Roblox for a purchase price of $380 million. Blah, blah, blah. And then I thought, uh, where is the date? Uh huh. April 1st. April 1st. Oh, <laughs> April 1st. <laughs> but it actually got into the people also ask this, this April Fool's joke. 15 years later. <laughs> uh, that is funny. I've I never seen an April Fool's joke uh, drop in there like that. You know what's anyway. funny? Roblox is huge right now. Google should have bought it back then. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a smart move. Slightly out of their market, but yeah, who cares for them? They seem to pick up everything. All right. So I hope that helps, Leanne. It's a really interesting question. So thank you for posting it. I really appreciate it. Um, the next one is from Cameron Raman. He says, I hope everyone's great. The group has been super helpful. And I want to get this group's thought on next steps for monetizing my team's website. So far, this is what we have. Sales of digital products, specifically wedding hashtags. He suggests Googling wedding hashtags if you're not sure what they're about. I guess we'll have to do that. I meant to do it, but I didn't get a chance. Um, don't know how that can be for sale. Interesting. Um, number two, Google AdSense. This is bringing in a small amount of revenue, covers most of our costs. I'm thinking of drafting up a media kit for me to go out and try to sell. It would essentially involve selling banner as space, banner space, I guess, for a fixed monthly fee. Any thoughts? I feel like I'm mostly pursuing pretty standard avenues of monetization and would love to explore more innovative ideas. Now, unfortunately, Cameron, you didn't post your website here, which would have been a great opportunity for us to check it out and others, others to check it out. So I can't say I know what you do. I mean, I assume it's something to do with weddings, but... Um, Safe bet. Yeah, uh, and something about your site is worth Google uh, AdSense working for you. So you must have a lot of content. Huh. Twitch? No. <laughs> <laughs> there are some networks, and, 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 and of course, it's not on the tip of my tongue here, that are fairly um, uh, exclusive that you can join where you can create data for people to see what kind of viewers you have. And then that determines whether or not you're an appealing uh, marketing or advertising subject, or uh, I can't speak today. Anyways, a place that they'd want to advertise. Uh, obviously there's some really popular ones too, like I think it's Quantive or something like that. Uh, obviously not our market here, being as we do some pay-per-click, but not a lot of this kind of work. Uh, but if you look up, uh, what would be this phrase? What do you think, Scott? Like uh, ad networks, private ad networks, um, 
something like that. Look for anything along the lines of, of uh, that kind of thing. Anyway, look them up. There might be some opportunity there. Then you just put a bug on your site. It gets an idea of who your, your audience is, and then you can potentially be asked to put advertising in your site, which would be a nice bon bonus as you're doing this work. I don't know. Any other thoughts, Scott? You know, I don't have a lot of, of I don't have anything. I, that's less than a lot. I don't, I don't <laughs> know that I have any contributions to this question here. Um, my first would have been trying things like Google AdSense and, and trying to, you know, tap into the relevant market. Again, oh. it's tough not knowing what his website is, but. Uh, I would think actually a, a no brainer to me would be uh, affiliate sales of products uh, to do with weddings. Yeah, you could How get into Amazon links and things. Now I know Amazon's become quite unpopular because they dramatically cut the, the commissions, mm -hmm. which is stupid, but anyway, they did. Um, and that may be why you're not doing that, but that is one option. Money's money. Even if it's a small amount, you weren't getting it before. Uh, and there's probably more lucrative places to do that as well, including uh, maybe packages for, um, for weddings. I don't know. Again, not our market. If, if he's wedding oriented, which it sounds like he probably is, does Etsy have an affiliate program? Because I feel like Etsy, don't they sell a lot of the type of stuff that mm -hmm. might be, I, I don't use Etsy. Maybe I should, I don't know, but uh, I feel like there might be something there for affiliate based. Maybe. Absolutely. Uh, from an SEO perspective, you're just going to want to make sure that you're continually improving the, you know, or maintaining if you've already got the top rankings, your, your exposure within search results. And uh, maybe looking at a comparative site, uh, something that's a competitor and finding gaps in their keywords. Uh, SEMrush has a cool little keyword gap tool that will compare the sites, compare what kind of visibility they're getting and the visibility you're getting and look for areas that you don't show up, but seem to have a lot of traffic. And that's something that might be a good way to bring in business uh, again, eyes are going to be more business, more Google AdSense revenue, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, I felt like I should tie it back into SEO, but I think that'll, that'll be helpful for you. Anyway, uh, Scott, anything else to add? Not really. I wish I did. I wish I had more to say okay. to that, but. Cool. Well, uh, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing and my company's senior SEO, Scott Vanak, thanks for joining us today. Uh, remember, we have a show notes newsletter you can sign up for at seo101radio.com. Don't miss a single link and refresh your memory of a past show at any time. Have a great week and remember to tune into future episodes, which air every week on WMR.FM. Yeah, and thanks for listening, everybody. And I'm sorry I have nothing clever to say. So that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.